0: Wow Robin. <laughs> okay. I hope um, the
1: quality of the audio is, is to your liking, but you know what? This I'm is- sure
0: it'll be fine. Okay. Great. I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to pull up my,
0: <laughs> I've never had this much difficulty doing something like this before. Um, okay. So I am going to pull up my little cheat sheet here and take a quick sip of water okay Hey, okay. Arna, are you ready
1: i'm ready i do want to mention this is not a professional zoom so i believe at like 45 minutes or 50 or one i think hour, we're 40. 40.
0: we can do this we can do this we so can, we do, it. We ready can ready. do it we can do it
1: okay i'm ready i'm well, we ready do a second one too so we're good okay yes <clears throat>
0: All right, so let's go. So what's going on, people? My name is Sarah, and I am the host of the Holistic Homies podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to speak with my homie, Robin Laird. Robin and I connected a few years ago through Instagram, and I am a huge fan of her work. Robin holds a Master of Science in Biochemistry from the University of Amsterdam. She is a fellow alum from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition founder of Be Health Curious, lifestyle support for bariatric surgery patients and creator of Science of Self Care, science-based content for mental and physical mastery. She is also an incredible photographer and a total nerd like myself about health and wellness. Robin is also a former model, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Robin, did I miss anything?
1: That was a lot. Um, Thank you for that amazing introduction. (laughs) I think that's en- enough welcome. to go off of for now. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, You're for well, me. Uh, yeah, I
0: am really excited to be speaking with you today. And I know I provided a little bit about uh, your introduction about who you are, but would you like to sh- share a little bit of your journey and how you came to be a health coach?
1: Yeah, um, I think many, many years ago, Uh, In my early 20s, I was a bit lost with what I wanted to do with my life, as many people are. And so I started traveling a lot and I started traveling to countries where I didn't even speak the language. And even though I had been studying public relations and marketing back at USC in California, I felt this draw to the human body and to health and to every country I visited. I was just so interested in the foods and the customs and how people were taking care of themselves. And I slowly realized that I had this passion for just learning more about something that connects all of us, our bodies, and how we can best take care of them. And I also, through my travels, saw a lot of inequity in terms of health and healthcare. that was very early seed that was planted and after those that period of traveling in my early 20s i decided i really wanted to get a better science-based understanding of our bodies so that i could actually do work to contribute to people's health and their public i guess the public health on a larger scale and so i actually went back to school i studied biomedical sciences in amsterdam and I'm actually now finishing my master's in biochemistry and biotechnology to really get that strong understanding of our physiology. But as I was doing my master's, and this is where it links back to how we connected through IIN, I also felt like there was a missing piece because it's not just about science. You know, our health is so much also about our behavior and how we implement the science and how we actually end up taking care of ourselves, which might be very different than how we want to take care of ourselves or how we intend to take care of ourselves. So I think it's so nice to have this, this mixture of the very psychological, behavioral health side through health coaching and then the really more hard science side through biochemistry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, tying it back into I. And we talked a lot about, while we were there, about primary and secondary food. Yes. And those primary foods are a lot about what you saw when you were traveling and the connectivity that people had through food with each other, where it was grown from the earth, sharing stories of why their families made certain dishes and they might not have realized through their grandparents and parents why they were making these dishes or why they were so healthy but now because of what we know it's not only about that sense of community and sharing food and telling stories and getting that primary food in but it's the way in which these things were grown and cultivated free of chemicals and toxins so that's a really beautiful thing that you experienced while you were traveling and seeing all these different cultures that really focused on that primary food more so than the secondary, which is actually the physical food that we eat. And you mentioned about biochemical, um, that you went back to school and you're actually finishing your master's for biochemistry, but you have a motto that is, you are a biochemical <laughs> masterpiece. Yes. And how did I you mean. come up with that?
1: I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, especially in the world of social media and wellness becoming such a commercialized thing from the TikTok concept of that girl and all of these images were bombarded with health is often so much tied to aesthetics or buying expensive things or something that is actually outside of ourselves when the magic and the most beautiful thing about our body is how intricate its biochemistry is. And I think that's something we can just forget on a day-to-day basis as we (laughs) go through our lives and do very basic things, we sleep, we eat, we walk. But as I was learning more about the science of all the crazy things going on in our body at every second, it just continues to blow my mind, you know, when I hear a fact like every second we make a million blood cells, I'm just in awe and I really want to bring that sense of wonder back to our bodies and get people excited about their bodies in a new way and maybe even curious about their bodies because I think when we're curious about something, we want to invest in it, we want to have a a deeper relationship with it. And this is something that every single human on earth can have with their body. Because, you know, even those of us who are struggling with different conditions where part of our body may not be working optimally, or we may not feel normal in a certain sense. Well, first of all, there's, you know, normal is such a a, a fake concept because we're all so, so biochemically different. But secondly, just the feats of being alive and breathing and consciously experiencing the world are so complex and beautiful that I hope everyone can really feel like, truly feel that they are a biochemical masterpiece because they are.
0: Yeah, it is, that is absolutely true. And I, you know, you know, I am a huge nerd for all things health and wellness and the more i learn like you said the more in awe i am of how we were designed and how our bodies function i mean just something like you know learning that the food we consume quite literally becomes ourselves which become our body when we start to think about things like that we often shift our focus you know from well i'm just eating a pop tart or this processed you know whatever that's in front of me but Yes, that's true. You are just consuming it, but ultimately that becomes who we are. And especially as uh, you know, for, for women who are considering conceiving, what they're eating way before they actually conceive and have a child is now part of their DNA that will get passed on to that to that human, to that little baby. So it's really really awe inspiring how how we are created and how all of these things happen on a daily basis or you know every minute our bodies changing and shifting and things are being signaled from our gut to our brain it's really it's really awesome so do you believe with all of that that you can incredible things in life without sacrificing health
1: yeah. So um, you cut out there for just a little bit of a second. So maybe you can re say the question just so the recording sure. has it, and then I will gladly answer that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So speaking of you know our bodies being a biochemical masterpiece and how uh, it is important to focus on nutrition and health when we're looking at our bodies as a whole and uh, you know functioning at our most optimal way, even though we do have imperfections and do have health issues, do you believe that given all of that, we can still achieve incredible things in our lives, um, in our health, for our bodies and our minds without really sacrificing any additional health or any additional time in our lives?
1: Yeah. So to me, this really reminds me of this I know a lot of people use the term hustle culture, but this idea, especially in the United States, where you, your identity is often very much tied to your career, and that usually doesn't leave a lot of space for the other aspects of life, like mm-hmm. eating balanced home-cooked meals, spending time with family, sleeping enough, as in eight hours. You know, um, I right. know so many people who still do not sleep enough. Um, And so I think this is some sort of cycle and cultural norm that we've fallen into believing that that's that you need to make these health sacrifices to achieve great things in your career. I completely believe that is not true. That's this is one of the reasons I've gone into entrepreneurship, because I hope to build a company In which my team is actually able to lead a a very balanced and healthy life. And that's a core component to how we do our work. Because if I think about myself and on days where I really need to perform, I need to be creative, I need to write up something. If I'm not feeling well, if I'm (laughs) undernourished, if I'm overtired, I just don't perform and I'm not going to create the quality of work that I ultimately hope to. And so I think that this idea of making health sacrifices for the sake of our career is just not necessary. I think I also saw while living abroad for six years in Amsterdam, where it's a... Very different culture. Uh, People, you know, when the clock hits five, they really do leave work. They go home to their families. They eat dinner. They actually take their weekends off. They take (laughs) vacations. Yeah. Uh, Seeing that. They take their holiday and they shut everything down. (laughs) Exactly. And seeing that and, you know, it's still a country that has achieved many great things. People people still do care about their work but they also it's not their the end all be all of their life and i think living there for many years and really seeing firsthand that balance has inspired me to make it a part of everything i do and everyone i work with i hope can have the same so i i absolutely believe it's not only possible but it's necessary because also you know life is short but life is long and i hope to be working yeah into my 80s, honestly, because retirement doesn't, you know, the idea of just working to death to a certain point and then doing nothing doesn't really appeal to me. What does appeal to me is doing work that I love in a balanced way, living a really Mm -hmm. healthy, holistic life and doing that for as long as possible. So I want to, it's it's a marathon, you know, I I want (laughs) to be feeling good as long as possible so I can do work that inspires me and lights me up as as long as possible.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I I see a little bit of a shift having, you know, gone through the last few years of people beginning to work a hybrid schedule, you're starting to see a little shift and you're starting to see that more people are putting value on the things that they really had no choice but to have in front of them when they were stuck at home, right? They started to see the importance of maybe spending time with their family or spending time with their children, or maybe they started a garden in their backyard because they were now working from home and they're starting to uh, relearn how to connect with the earth and with their food and understand that this gives them a sense of joy well beyond what normally they would be searching for with some sort of secular job. So I feel like there is a little bit of that shift going on right now. I hope it continues and uh, continues in a way that you were talking about. You know, if you and I start our own businesses and have employees that we can Uh, then continue on this path to be like, you know, it's five o'clock or it's four o'clock. We shut it down. We go home. Or you know what? It's an absolutely beautiful day out and your kids have off from school. Let's just call it and you go home and spend time with them. Or I'm not really feeling it today mentally. I need to take this time to rest and to do some self-nourishment. And then we can start this over again tomorrow because that's okay. We're not as humans conditioned to work, you know, eight 30 to five or nine to five
1: mm-hmm. day
0: in and day out and be high performing at those hours every day. Seasons change. We go through different um, cycles. Even, you know, if you look at the human body, the female body and the cycle that yes. we have, there's different times of the month when certain parts of our brain are firing, you know, Differently or on a, on a higher level than others. And you can actually kind of align that with what you're doing secularly or in your own job or business. So I do think Absolutely. that we're seeing that shift. And speaking of jobs and careers, you were a former model, and I'd like to touch on that a little bit. What kind of impact did that have on your relationship with your body while you were in that career as a model?
1: It's really interesting because when I started modeling, I kind of started my self care journey. (laughs) And I, you know, as a model, your physical body is the commodity. So, Taking care of your skin and your physique and your hair and your nails, every little detail is all part of it. And so I think that was when I first really started to realize that the way I take care of myself influences my physical body. Now, obviously, I think it's no secret that the modeling industry has a lot of toxic pressures. And so I would say that modeling was The beginning of my self-discovery and relationship with my body but it was also where i learned a lot of things that ultimately did not work for me and you know i can talk about so many things but during my time as a model i actually was extremely extremely unhappy and that you know is related to so many things i was definitely exercising over-exercising, I was experimenting with intermittent fasting, which I believe was also contributing to my digestive issues, you know, right. read about, and I'm a huge science nerd, as you know, so reading all these scientific papers about intermittent fasting and animal models, and of course, a lot of these are also performed studies performed on male animals or male mm-hmm. humans, and knowing now how vastly different females respond to intermittent fasting. It's definitely, I have such a relation, different relationship to it. But during my time modeling, I was just experimenting with all of these things that I was reading were healthy, you know, running every day. um, Yeah. (laughs) Intermittent fasting, all of the eating kale, all of the things that I Mm -hmm. was reading were healthy, but slowly over time feeling worse in my body. And that is something that I know now I have so much respect for how different our bodies are and something that really works and makes one person feel extremely healthy may not work for another person. Um, so for example, I rarely eat kale raw now because I know that my digestive system prefers to eat it cooked. And these little, little details. <laughs> that not that I... funny? And there
0: was such a push for, on kale for so yes, long. Exactly. So but it was... can completely disrupt your gut
1: absolutely so I was following all of these rules that I was reading and a lot of them even were evidence-based based based on scientific things but our bodies are so incredibly different and I think if anyone can take something away from this conversation is that you are ultimately the expert of your body and science can help you better understand yourself and deepen that expertise but at the end of the day you're the one living in your body and Mm -hmm. you're the one who knows when you actually truly feel good inside. Another part I want to mention about modeling is that I was traveling like crazy. I was living alone out of a suitcase and had no autonomy over my schedule. And as someone who I love to connect with my family, I love to have control over my day and my schedule. I think there was a mental part that also really wore me down and this goes back to what you were saying about primary foods there's so much of health that is has nothing to do with our diet and I mentally was not fulfilled and starving yeah yes exactly and so I look back and I realized I was very unhappy during this time, even though I was doing all the things I was running, I was, you know, I had abs and, and maybe objectively someone looking at me would have said, she's in great shape. She looks great. Right. Or, you know, maybe even, I'm sure many people would say she looks too skinny because that's modeling for you, but. um, And you look
0: healthy. And I was going to say that, you know, being a model, Uh, And even with everything on social media, being healthy and looking healthy are two very different things, right? We can look at someone and think they're healthy based on an idea that we've been given or designed to think is healthy because of fitness magazines, because of social media, because of models that we see. But it doesn't mean that if you were to look at that individual's actual lifestyle or have a physician go over their blood work, it doesn't mean that they're actually healthy or metabolically healthy. So we know that those are two very different things. And I'm sure as a model, that was something you experienced either with yourself or with your fellow colleagues, with your fellow models, right?
1: Yeah. So I also, you know, aside from blood labs and everything, I would say so many people who maybe from the outside look healthy, might not feel healthy on the inside. And that was certainly the case with me. And I can say for, with a hundred percent certainty that today I feel so much healthier and stronger and just better in every regard and I don't really, I don't have the same abs I used to have. I, you know, and, and that's okay because I, I genuinely know based on how I take care of myself and how I feel that I am in a very healthy place. Mm-hmm. And that just looks different on my body today than unhealthy looked <laughs> many years ago as a model. And Uh, Maybe this is another reason I just love the idea of really focusing on how we feel in our bodies and celebrating our biochemical mastery, because it's just, it's so funny how we equate our outside shell with our kind of whole inner human health.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know for many years when I was younger, I was a vegan and I was a vegetarian and I was not well, I was not well mentally and I was, my skin wasn't, wasn't clear, but I had this idea that in order to be healthy, mm. I needed to eat a certain way or I was doing I was running a lot and I was doing a lot of yoga. And I was like, well, this is what healthy people do. They eat tofu yes. and they practice yoga and they go on these long runs. Yes. And my body was not well. And it wasn't until years later, and I started reading and I went to IIN and learned about bioindividuality. And we learn about all these different modalities and different ways of eating. And I started to pick a little bit from each thing that made sense to me and try it. And I started eating more red meat. I went back to lifting weights again. I cut back on my running and my cardio and ate more fat. And a lot of these things that I was doing were things that are often frowned upon or are often yes. you know don't lift weights because you'll bulk, bulk up or don't eat fat, eat fat free or eat low carb. But once you start listening to your body and start making you know, those little tiny adjustments and tweaks and see how you feel, it's really amazing how your body gives you these little cues yes. when, ooh, I need a little bit more fat or I didn't quite drink enough water today or I'm craving salt and maybe it's because I'm a little fatigued and I need to start taking care of my adrenals a little bit more and focusing on sleep and recovery. It's really amazing that when we stop putting focus on specific diets uh, that we see yes. in magazines or online and start to see what actually works for us, how our body just kind of starts to shift and change and function in a way that it really should. And then mentally, we feel better. And we sleep better. It's it's really, really amazing.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that because I can relate to so many of those points. I, you know, even incorporating more red meat, that's the, a classic thing that we hear is unhealthy. And obviously there's also an environmental factor, which was a big part of why I used to not eat red meat. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. That when I sort of let go of that and thought, what does my body actually need? I feel better when I eat meat and I feel better when I do certain things that maybe I used to think were unhealthy, but Mm -hmm. they were exactly what my body needed. So I think it would be great to see more diversity of what healthy looks like online there's yeah. it can be so prescriptive and it's really just it's your own personal journey that you're on for your lifetime and I love what you said about learning to listen and understand those cues that your body sends you because your body knows what it needs I think this is back to being a biochemical masterpiece we have such yeah right you know, we're built to have these intricate systems of balance and homeostasis and cycles and our body knows what it needs we just have to sometimes get out of the way and listen to it
0: yeah and i think this kind of goes back to what you're saying about you know work ethic or what work- In nature, we have completely distanced ourselves from the connection that we should have with the earth and with what we eat. And we've distanced ourselves even more so with the connection we need to have with our bodies because we're no longer picking up cues on what our body is signaling us mm-hmm. to do or what it might want. But we are now focused solely on, you know, a schedule that might be coming from our. You know, Google Calendar, or what we have to do today and get done uh, sitting at our computer or on our phone or on our tablet. And we're just so hurried and rushed that there's very rarely ever time, maybe aside from. When we have to sleep and we know, well, our body's telling us we're tired. But even then, sometimes people push through because of work or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's very rarely in now in society that we are allowing ourselves to take pause, to take a moment, reconnect with ourselves, and start to pick up on those tiny little cues. And once we do start to look for those cues and start to listen and be more aware of them, it's really incredible how they become louder and easier to identify. Yes. But I think that absolutely ties back into what you were saying about work and schedules and careers.
1: Yeah, and and I want to add that I am someone who's always been like I didn't I didn't really feel like the format of school fit me. So I always wanted to go out and play during the day. And I wanted to be very active. And now as an adult, sometimes I do my best work at weird hours in the early morning and the late night. Same. And sitting at a desk for a specific time, because that's a cultural norm, just does not get the best work out of me. It's just so funny. I I shine eight hours I, bent
0: in a position.
1: Yes, I shine when I, I break things up and I'll do a little bit of work tonight, which is not to me out of balance. That's actually my balance. That's because I then, you know, took a little bit of, of a break earlier to do Pilates and just following our own rhythms. I think, like you said, circling it back to everyone figuring this out during COVID, I think this is one silver lining from this terrible global pandemic that people have been forced to sit with themselves in their home environment and maybe reevaluate how they best work. Definitely. And employers have had to be a bit flexible with that and have had to give people the space to figure it out. So Mm -hmm. I do hope that this is something that is here to stay. And it's certainly... a part of the DNA of the company that I'm building that it's a remote first company where people are really trusted to work as they see fit. And it's a lot more results oriented than following any specific schedule.
0: That's awesome. That's really incredible. So we've talked a lot about food and and culture and work. And I want to talk a little bit about diets because that ties in with food and another big thing in addition to maybe thinking health needs to look or or feel a certain way people Mm -hmm. also focus a lot on elimination diets and detoxing and those are two very separate things that are often incorrectly done and can ultimately be really detrimental to our health to our gut health Mm -hmm. um but it is something that we see all the time. And so what is your view on elimination diets and detoxing? Are there any red flags to look for when considering an elimination diet?
1: Yeah, so to first touch upon detoxing, cause I'm gonna have a little bit more to say about elimination diets. Mm, okay. I think it's a, a funny concept because I don't really even know what it means. <laughs> Scientifically, right. our liver's job is to detox, detoxify our body, and it does a pretty good job. And so when you drink alcohol, which is a toxin to us, Mm -hmm. your liver takes care of it. Um, And so when people use the word detox in terms of diet and drinking a lemon water that's supposed to detox you, I'm not even sure what, it seems to have so many different meanings. So to me, generally detox as a term is a potentially red flag that this topic or what something someone is speaking about is not necessarily based in science. I So detox for me is a term I don't typically ever use in terms of food and lifestyle. Elimination diets... I do have a personal relationship too, because I think to circle back to some of the ways I used to take care of my body that ultimately deserved me, I, over many years of doing quote unquote healthy things that were actually not healthy for my body and probably a lot of mental stress, because as you and I both know, our our gut and our brain are so intimately yeah. connected, I had There's that terrible, gut brain access. Yes, yes. Yes. So I had terrible digestive issues and IBS and I didn't really know what to do about it because again, I was always eating whole foods. I wasn't eating pop tarts um, right? and I wasn't understanding why I was having really bad, essentially autoimmune symptoms, really bad circulation. My nails were falling off. It was just no good. And so I actually, with a doctor, went through an elimination diet protocol that really helped my gut just have a little bit of a break from some foods that I had been loving and eating a lot of, but that were irritating me because my digestive lining was not, was compromised. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have, if you, I mean, uh, you're, I'm sure very familiar with leaky gut, but if your digestive... Mm -hmm lining is compromised in any way some of the foods you you can be eating a lot of can actually start to induce uh, an immune reaction in your body and this is what was happening with me so by taking a break from some foods like eggs and apples which again are In many ways, for many people, so healthy, especially apple is kind of the quintessential health food.
0: (laughs) An apple a day. (laughs) An
1: apple a day. This was really wreaking havoc on my digestive system. So, by taking a break from certain foods, and now I can eat an apple and I feel okay, um, but it really helped me to have a period where my digestion could just not be irritated, could. Right.
0: Allowing your body to repair from inflammation.
1: Exactly. Allowing my body to repair, but still getting calories because sometimes as as people get digestive issues, they, they don't really know what to eat to feel good because every time they put food in their mouth, they feel terrible. And so right. I think that's a, if that is something that someone is going through, then an elimination diet can be a powerful way to give their body a break from irritating foods while still Getting enough calories to heal and repair yourself, um, but this is very yeah. a very personal experience. It is really personal. Journey, so I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, "Oh, I shouldn't eat apples and <laughs> Robin eggs."
0: Robin didn't eat apples, so I'm going to stop eating apples and yeah. eggs. Yeah, it is. It is really. It is really personal, and uh, you know, to speak a little bit to that uh, and elimination diets. It, it And being bio, everything being bio, so bio-individual um, for each of us. For, for myself, I had to take a break for a long time eating certain things and mm. giving my body a break and then slowly incorporating them back. Some things work, some things still don't, mm-hmm. and that's okay. But our bodies are really incredible in that they are capable of our gut lining, being repaired and our body naturally, like you said, your body's naturally detox. Our bodies also naturally are always trying to maintain some sort of homeostasis and level of wellness. So our bodies are always going to try and do some repair work. And sometimes when we do the elimination diets, we may have to supplement with something else To assist our bodies in maybe naturally detoxing or assist our bodies in doing some natural repair work that they typically do on their own. But it could be from lack of nutrition or maybe having eliminated too many foods for too long that now we are somewhat malnourished and Mm -hmm. don't have enough of what we need for our body to do these natural things or go through these natural processes of properly detoxing and properly repairing. So we talked a little bit about the gut and I want to spend a little bit of time focusing on the gut because we talk, I mean, everyone hears about the gut. The gut is like the new word um, along with detoxing. And we're learning more about the gut and its connection to our hormones, to its connection with the gut-brain access, um, which you spoke a little bit about. Can you talk a little bit about that gut-brain access and maybe explain to those who aren't familiar with what the gut is, what that actually incorporates?
1: Yeah. So I think as many people talk about the gut obviously there's a whole digestive tract, but a lot of times when we are talking about gut health and the microbiome, this is in our large intestines. That's where we have a whole universe of microbes living inside of us. Um, and it's there are so, so many neurons that are housed there and connect it to our central nervous system and are literally communicating intricately with our digestive cells, as well as the microbes that live in our digestion and in a very basic way you can also understand that when you see or smell food you start to salivate but also you know studies show that our we start to in our digestive system secrete gastric juices and have a physiological response to the idea of food that's one way that our brains can we start
0: eating with our eyes right (laughs)
1: Yeah. So it, that's literally our brain influencing our digestive system and our digestive system can also influence our mental health. It's a, a well-known you know, statistic that I think a lot of people know that 90% of our serotonin lives in our gut and 50% yes. of our dopamine. So there, it's yes. really a two-way communication between our brain and our gut that is just so fascinating to me because I firstly I love to read about this and read about studies and different people's experiences but secondly I also love to self-observe how vastly different I can feel when I eat something or when I have a digestive bout where I'm not feeling well and how that can directly influence my mental state is something I felt firsthand and I think this goes back to like you said once you learn to read your body's cues, your sense of those cues becomes a bit heightened. Mm-hmm. I feel the same experience for me happens in terms of my mental reaction to my digestion. Um, obviously, I'm. These, this is more of a subjective observation in my body, but it's just so interesting. Um, other things I love to read about are studies with mice without a microbiome. <laughs> So, so these are called germ-free mice. So fascinating. But what's interesting about mice who don't have a microbiome, and these are obviously in a research lab made to have no microbiome, they're living, it's kind of like a bubble boy world. But these mice actually behave very differently than mice who do have a microbiome. They are much more less risk averse and they'll do behaviors that other mice would be scared to do they'll just go around walk in the open fields and other mice would just naturally not do that in fear of prey or predators and they just behave so differently and I think that this is there's so much that science really has yet to uncover in how not only our gut cells but our Microbial cells that live in our gut influence things even related to what we might consider part of our personality, like how oh, yeah, you know, childhood we are.
0: The gut is, I mean, I can read forever about the gut because it's so fascinating. And you know, science just keeps discovering more connections between the gut and different areas of our body and how in in our bodies our guts connect to our brain our guts connect to our lungs i mean for years as a child i was on antibiotics and i had Mm. pneumonia and bronchitis almost every year it wasn't until i was older and started eating differently and taking care of my of my gut and probably allowing it to repair itself that i was finally free of every year having pneumonia and bronchitis, but now oh. we know there's that gut lung axis. So our guts are really, I always say our gut is the foundation of our health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Everything starts there. It's the second brain. Some people say it's our first brain, but that is really the foundation to our health and wellness. If our gut is healthy and we nurture it and take care of it and make sure we're eating things so that our bacteria is well fed and, and our, we have all those healthy, good bugs and flora in our gut. The rest of our body is going to function a whole lot better. And you had mentioned something. It may have been in one of your posts, but you mentioned that what we eat truly feeds our mind and our body. Mm. And, and that is so true. And, and, how do you think that we can create, you know, more balanced meals to feed our minds, to feed our bodies with that connection to a healthy gut?
1: Yeah. So again, I think everything should be taken with a grain of salt because I hope whoever is listening is on their own sort of self-discovery journey of what makes sure, you yeah. feel great. But like you've mentioned, it's so important to feed the bacteria that live in our gut. And we know that prebiotics and fiber are so important for that. Um, I think there's, so there's a huge trend. Well, maybe it's a little passe now, but there has been a huge trend of low carb and you know, mm-hmm. paleo avoiding all grains but there are so many different types of fibers in different types of foods. And for example, oats and rice and quinoa, these have different types of grain than broccoli and spinach and um, you know, fibrous Even vegetables. Even red meat has
0: some fiber in it.
1: So yeah, I think it really comes down to the basics that I always recommend, which is a variety of whole foods eating in balance, not eliminating one macronutrient altogether, because you're also usually then eliminating a host of vitamins and minerals and types of fiber and other phytonutrients that our bodies need. So as boring and cliche as it is, I think starting with a varied and whole foods diet, and then kind of tweaking based on your preferences, obviously, hopefully, you can eat what you enjoy eating, because that's how you're going to keep eating it. Um, But also feeling and listening to your body, what actually, what is giving you energy, what makes you feel good, what makes your digestion feel good. And just discovering kind of your ideal whole foods diet is what I would recommend for everyone. And more than just the nutritional anatomy of such a self-made diet, you also begin to have a, an emotional relationship with your food and your diet right. because that's so important to feel like you are invested in that. And when you have right. taken the time to cultivate a lifestyle that really works for you, you cherish it so much more than if it was given to you from a website or, <laughs> you know, right, some other we, we have that
0: we have that agency over our body, right? We are in control ultimately, or we should be of our own health and our health destiny, because you mentioned early on in our conversation, how life is long, but it's also short, but you want to live for as long as possible, as healthy as you can be. It's almost, it's almost like the quality over quantity you want to have a good quality life for as long as you can and that's why it's so important to have that connection with our bodies and to have that connection with what we're consuming and to care for and nourish our gut and our mind and our physical body in totality Um, getting back to you know the primary and secondary foods because health and wellness really incorporates every aspect of our life and a lot of things that we haven't even covered today but it really incorporates everything from our creativity and joy to our connections in our community and food and all of that like when you were traveling all over europe which is what you saw that was really individuals living in a healthy well Manner in which allowed them to live long lives. It was probably also some of those, you know, those blue zones that we often talk about. And that is the reason why they maintain that health and wellness for so, for such a long period of time in their lives.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's so many things I feel like I can add to this. But I mean, yes, to everything you've said. Um, I just wanted to. Say that I I recently read something about how psychologically humans feel more love and attachment to things that they've invested time in, which mm-hmm. obviously makes a lot of sense because if we invest time, then that's something we want to care for and maintain, right? And so you can if see, if we this invest in-
0: time into a garden or into exactly. our bodies, we so start to really appreciate it
1: exactly, and. You you know, anyone who owns a vegetable garden that that, you know, strawberry or head of lettuce from your vegetable garden is going to taste so much richer and just it's it's such a more emotional experience to eat that food than if you haven't invested that time in it. And I think that also translates to our bodies and the switch really, I think, for a lot of people comes not when they look a certain way or they weigh a certain weight but when they decide that they're going to invest in their body and start to care for it and switch from you know i know many people have who have in some way given up on their body um but we can all make that switch to start to care for and invest in our body again and that's the beginning to a very loving and emotional relationship with our physical vessel.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that is a perfect spot to kind of wrap up our conversation that if we invest the time and really learn to care for our bodies and nourish them and treat them for the incredible biochemical masterpieces that they are, (laughs) we really will start to appreciate them. And when you appreciate something, you want to take care of it and you want to make sure it's maintained. Mm -hmm. And that's what we'll start to do with our bodies. So Robin, where can people find you on social media? I know you're working on some really awesome things in the realm of wellness specifically for individuals considering bariatric surgery and post-op and, and pre-op, but where can people find you on Instagram?
1: Yeah, so uh, to touch upon that um, bariatric uh, project that I'm working on, people can, if any bariatric patients are listening, they can follow b.health.curious.com on Instagram to learn more about our lifestyle and tech support for bariatric surgery patients. If anyone is listening that's just a curious human who wants to know a little bit more about their body or the science behind self-care, then you can follow my science-based wellness content also on Instagram at science.of.selfcare. And I think that's a place where I just post things that I hope are relevant to all humans. I also have a YouTube channel, The Science of Self-Care, which goes along with that Instagram page. So I think if you type in The Science of Self-Care, you'll find you'll find something on Instagram or YouTube. It'll, it'll
0: pop up. It'll pop up. <laughs> so before we wrap up, there's a few questions I'd like to ask you that I'm asking all of my guests. Um, this was nothing that we went over. So if you agree, I have a few extra questions I'd like to ask you that I think our listeners would be really excited to hear. So what would be your go-to food if, if you were stuck on an island, if you could pick one food?
1: Oh man, this is a classic question and I can never ever decide. If I was stuck on an island, oh man, I would probably choose smoked salmon or salmon sashimi Ooh, that's good i'm just such a lover of you get your <laughs> uh, fat you good... get your
0: protein yes. that's a good so that's a good choose, item
1: i would choose either smoked salmon or salmon sashimi those that it just makes me so happy and it's delicious i like and it it's i'd be
0: on that island with you <laughs> i was thinking avocado or some sort of like fatty fish like salmon but that's that's awesome what is your favorite non-healthy food if, if you, you have, have one
1: non-healthy food. Yeah. So it's so funny because I don't even know if I think in these terms anymore, but I would say right. a, a, a thing that most people would consider non-healthy that I love and incorporate into my diet is chocolate. So chocolate. I chocolate. chocolate is good.
0: Do you like dark chocolate or more milk?
1: I do love dark chocolate, which some people would consider Same. a health food, but I it's just truly one of my pleasureful food. So to not even put it into a healthier, unhealthy category, I love love chocolate. It's for the enjoyment, right? Indulgent. It's rich. It's delicious.
0: It's good. It's good stuff. So this podcast is going to incorporate a lot of different areas of what I'm interested in, including music. So what kind of music are you into right now? I know you lived, you lived in Europe, you lived in California. Now you're in your new location. Is there any sort of music that you're just like totally digging right now in this season?
1: Right now in this season. So music, I have a funny relationship to music. Probably what I've been listening to now is nature sounds, which sounds so nerdy. But to me, that's kind <laughs> of music to my ears. I like it. But if I had to say kind of my favorite genre, especially growing up, but even to this day, I'm a huge hip hop head. I love yes. the 90s hip-hop, yes. early 2000s. So that is something that...
0: Were you more like East Coast or West Coast <laughs> rap and <laughs> the hip-hop? classic
1: debate. <laughs> okay, so I grew up on the West Coast, so I guess I have to say West Coast. But no, I'm, I mean, okay. I'm a huge Biggie fan. I'm. It, I'll take well, that and part I'm part East part,
0: Coast, so, <laughs> so there, there's no rival here. We both like each other's yeah. music from each coast. Um, so now, since my motto on Instagram is stay nerdy, what is something that you're a total nerd about? And it does not have to be health and wellness related at all.
1: Uh, I'm pretty nerdy about photography. and Yes, I'm, you have
0: gorgeous photography. Thank
1: you so much. So I, yeah, I've been taking photos literally since I was eight years old. I remember I had this point and shoot before I even really knew how to do anything. And then over the years, I've learned so much. I've had really professional bodies. I've had little crappy film cameras. I love photography and I'm pretty nerdy about it. I'm also very nerdy about skincare, which is in a sense related to wellness, but yeah, I love to learn about all the ingredients in skincare and can get pretty nerdy about that as well.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love my, my mother, both of my parents actually are photographers. Oh, so yeah. I, I have both of their cameras. Um, And I have yet to use them, but um, I love looking at photography. I'm a very visual person for art Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. things that you post, you can absolutely tell you have an artistic eye. I love it. So another thing real quick is, yeah, is um, I talk a lot about free health on my Instagram account, free health in terms of sunlight, cold exposure, breath work, Mm -hmm. grounding. Mm -hmm. Is there one thing that you cannot like live without or that you suggest yes. everyone to use as their free healthcare.
1: Can, can I say two things Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. that are just absolutely life-saving for me? So walking, it's just something that I could not live without every morning. I go for a walk. It puts my mind in a good place, puts my body in a good place. And anytime I get overwhelmed or stressed, I just, I go walk it out and I'm a new human. So walking is free health for me. And the second thing is you mentioned breath work. There's a specific type of breathing pattern that I love to do before when I just need to focus or perform and it works amazingly for me. And it's probably similar to some Wim Hof breathing patterns, if anyone knows, but to keep (laughs) it very simple, it's two, like two counts in one count out, two counts in. So (sighs) And and so it's it's an imbalance of breathing in and out, and that essentially you breathe in twice as long as you breathe out. And as I'm doing this, it's going to sound so cheesy, but I like to make a little heart with my fingers. So as I'm breathing the in, I do the 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 top part of the heart, and then with that quick one beat of an out breath, I do the bottom part.
0: I love it. <laughs> this is just a it. little
1: ritual that it seriously puts me in to a mental state where i'm focused yeah. there's lots of oxygen in my brain i just kind of had a little because we all forget to moment, breathe right yes so we all this forget is, to breathe yeah free health care is is this specific breathing pattern i love but i really just love your focus on on free health care because there is so many things there are so many things we can do that cost absolutely nothing um i agree i, I would love to hear one of your free <laughs> Free health care. So free,
0: free <laughs> yes. health care grounding for me is huge. I need to be outside and put my bare feet on the grass. It yes. doesn't matter what time of year it is. I love
1: that. If
0: I'm anxious and stressed, especially during the pandemic and learning to work from home, there were days when I didn't know how I was going to make it to five o'clock. But if I went outside on my lunch and got some sunlight, I guess grounding incorporates a lot of different free health all in one, but Putting my feet on the on the ground, yes. picking up on all those positive vibrations that we get from the earth just immediately gives me a sense of calm and relaxation. And another one that I've loved, learned to love to do over the last three, two, three years is cold exposure. Yeah. I have a big soaking tub in my bathroom and I will fill that up. We have a very deep well and I will fill that up and get it to about 35 degrees. It never really goes over 40 um, and just soak in it. And that you have to focus on your breath. Your body just immediately calms down and focuses on the present. And that is all that matters is that moment that you are in. And it helps me so much with anxiety and it helps me to sleep better at night. And I suggest everyone try it, um, even though people think I'm nuts when I tell them what I do. I but <laughs> if you don't have a soaking tub, you can literally jump in a lake. You can get in your shower Cold and shower. slowly turn yes. the dial down. And it, it has so many benefits. So those are my two my two go-to uh, free, free health, even though I, I love really all of them. But... Okay, Robin, well, that is all. I so appreciate you coming to talk to me um, on my so little podcast. Me, Come back it. anytime. You are officially one of my homies.
1: Happy to be one of your homies. This has been great. Everything you've said has just resonated deeply with me as well. So I, I love connecting with people who are on my wavelength. Thanks for I do me, too. Sarah. I do
0: too. So everyone, thank you for listening to this episode with Robin Laird of the Holistic Homies podcast remember to like, share, follow, do all the things, tell your homies. I'll be back soon. And until then, stay nerdy's homie. Peace.
1: Bye. I'm going to stop Bye. recording now. Okay. <laughs>
0: that was great. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate it. I'm glad no, we actually no, finally thank did you. This.
1: <laughs> this. I mean, this was so much fun. I, I feel like I could talk to you forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll do it